So again, welcome to Healing You, Healing Me. I want to take a moment to welcome my friend and my confidant and let's see, my get your butt up and get it done when I'm not working hard enough, Miss Nancy Jones. So join me, Healing You, Healing Me and welcoming Nancy. How are you feeling? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Are you still I nervous? Awesome. I, no, I'm not nervous. I feel Good. awesome. Okay. I'm excited about uh, being on the show. I'm excited about um, talking to you and just, you know, sharing my story with everyone. Very good. So let's talk a little bit about the reason why I asked you to do this podcast. Um, let's start with, tell me about Nancy Jones. Who is Nancy Jones? You know, that's such a hard question to, to answer to tell other people. I'm just a mom. I'm a, a very exhausted mom. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it. You're not just a mom. So I'm not just a mom. No. I'm an author. Right. I'm an entrepreneur. I am a singer. And um, I'm an advocate for special needs parents as well as special needs children. That is my, my heart's desire to get them everything that they could possibly have right because they are marginalized and they're treated badly and they don't have to be and someone has to stand up for them and i'm gonna do it yes yeah, so yeah. i have no doubt about that <laughs> i do have a special needs son yeah. he's five years old his name is isaiah and he is the love and joy of my life yeah. and the very reason that i do everything i do is because I want him to have a great life. Right. Now, tell me, are you raising Isaiah with a husband or are you raising Isaiah alone? No, I am single. I have been single for a few years. When Isaiah came into my life, I was single and I made the choice to adopt him and raise him as a single parent. And we're doing great. Now, you mentioned that you are single and that you made the choice to adopt Isaiah. If I have ever heard a fascinating story, yours is it, about how, how Isaiah came to be. So tell me a little bit about how Isaiah came to be your son. Wow. Well, let me just go back to my single days. I have always, always, always wanted to be a mom. As far back as I can remember, I wanted to be a mom. And I was always mothering everyone around me. Mm -hmm. I mothered my friends. I mothered my coworkers. I mothered my coworkers' children. I was always the one that children gravitated to. Um, and I was there with them on the floor playing and doing everything. I just wanted to be a mother as far back as I can remember. And interestingly enough, when I was 10, I said, I'm not gonna have any children. I'm gonna adopt because there are so many children who don't have a mom and they need moms and I'm gonna be a, a mom. What, what made you aware of that at 10 years old? Cause that's a pretty big awareness to have at that age. I have no idea. Okay. I just, I knew there were children who didn't have parents and I was gonna get one. Okay. Plus I have a very low pain tolerance and I don't <laughs> Okay. Unnecessary pain if I could avoid it. But um, as I went through my life, I did get married. And while I was married, 
children. He had a son already with another girl prior to our marriage. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want kids. But I wanted kids. And I had three miscarriages. It was a very horrible time for, for me. And sadly, I went through that myself. I went through it by myself even though he was there. Because he... He didn't want children, so he, he was just like, well, that's on you. That's your baby. That's not my baby. So my, my ex-husband didn't want children. I had three miscarriages on my own and um, suffering because it's a very emotional thing. Absolutely. Your body goes through all these changes and your hormones are all over the place and, you know, you're, you're bleeding out. Right, right. Your body's trying to, you know, recalibrate. There's a lot going on. It's it's mental. It's physical. It's draining. And um, who was your support you know, during that time? Who who was your support? I had no support. I had no support. Wow. And my husband was like, "Oh, you probably just had your period. Why don't you? Can you go get me some chicken?" Wow. So I went through that period, and um, I was sick. Why couldn't I have a child? Why could everyone around me have a child? Why were all my friends getting pregnant? And then one of my, my best friends said to me, you know, I know you want a baby, but I can't have this baby because you want a baby. And I was like, well, why? Like, she was pregnant and she was going to have an abortion. And she didn't want, she was like, I can't just have this baby just because you want a baby so bad. And I understood that. I mean, your life is your life. I'm not, I mean, but. The fact that she said that to me kind of blew me because was I that sick that I'm like, like everything around me is so concerned with this baby story, this baby situation. That's crazy. So your best friend just said to you one day, I can't have this baby because your need for a baby is so great. And I just need to say that to you. What did that make you feel like hearing her say that and, and bringing an awareness to you that maybe your desire to have a baby had superseded and become larger than anything else in your life? Well, it was a light bulb going off like, wow, you know, there's a lot going on. Like my entire focus was on this baby mm -hmm. or having a baby mm -hmm. or being a mom, you know? And it just didn't happen. And so... Well, wait, I, before, before you go on, I want to say, I want to ask you something because you mentioned that at 10 years old, you made the statement, I'm not going to have any babies. I'm going to adopt. When did you connect those words that you spoke over your life to what was actually happening in your life? When did you make the connection? Many, many, many years later. Yeah. And even after I had adopted Isaiah. Wow. I could just fancy one day and I was like, oh, I said this. Because I remember when I we had the conversation it. about it. I remember just a few months ago us talking about this because I was fascinated with that statement at 10 years old and how for the next X amount of years, your life followed the path that you declared at 10, not even knowing you're declaring something. I, I had no clue. I remember I was playing with a friend and I said it matter-of-factly and I was like, I'm not going to have any kids. There are so many kids who don't have a mom and I'm going to be their mom. 
Like it was just something I said and I meant it and that's what I was going to do. At 10, I was going to do that. Wow. And so, I mean, it came to pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, my, so my mind was on this baby. I wanted this baby and I was wearing my husband out. Mm-hmm. You have to know, I, was, I had to be wearing him out. Mm-hmm. He don't want kids, I want kids. I'm wearing him out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, you believe me. You, you weren't pregnant anyway. Like, you, like what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And I was so sick, let me tell you. I was walking around with several pregnancy tests in my pocket because that was proof that I was pregnant and I am pregnant. And I remember going for the actual blood test and they did put the blood on the thing and they swirl it around and they're looking for whatever they're looking for. And he came back and he said, no, he was like, well, there's hormones there, but you're not pregnant. And it just killed me. And I'm like, but look, and I'm showing the doctor, but look, look at this test. He was like, yeah, you know, maybe you were, but it's, it's over. And you need to, you know, get back to the business of living. And here, this is a huge thing in your life, but the doctor is being so matter-of-fact about it. Your husband is being so matter-of-fact about it. Nobody is addressing the fact that you're really hurting. Your heart is really hurting. And mentally, you might not be at your best place because you're having to, to validate that you really are pregnant, that you really can carry a baby, and then everybody is reminding you, no, it's not true, no, it's not true, no, it's not true. No, it's not true. And you know, I'll I'll tell you, what started all of this, um, there was was a, a person who was having a baby, and they wanted me to take their baby. And they were like, will you take the baby? I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take the baby. And they brought me a baby, I had a shower, it was wonderful, I had this little boy. And 30 days, you can take your baby back. But after 31 days, then you've given your baby over and they can start process or whatever. She knocked on my door on day 30 said I want my baby back Nancy no no yeah so so hold on a second so by the time you got this baby had you already separated from your husband no this was this was before so this is actually going back before the sickness with the pregnancies and and wanting to have a baby because they took the baby from me and I was like well fine I'll just have my own baby I see so first came this this opportunity to adopt this baby. You had this baby for 29.75 days. And then the mom comes and knocks on your door day 30. I want my baby back. And then here goes the next set of years with you trying to get pregnant, trying to have your own baby because yes, I could I just do that. Sick. I was sick. I had a crib up. I had all baby clothes everywhere. Oh, Nancy. I, I really... Wanted the baby, you know. Wow. And long story short, fast forward. This kid is amazing. You know, I know him. He's he's around. Um, what did you? Were you angry with this woman? What did you? What did you? Did you understand I, that as a mother, she had her I own thing? Believe. 
Yeah. Yeah. Utter disbelief. Wow. And so looking at this kid now, what do you think? Do you ever find yourself thinking, I could have done a better job? Or yeah. this happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen? What do you find yourself thinking? Well, we know and we know that all things work, work together. together good, right? Yes. And we know. Yes. Right. You know, do I think he would have been a different person had I raised him? Absolutely. But he is caring mm -hmm. and kind and has the best heart. I don't like everything he does, mm -hmm. but this, the soul, he has a beautiful soul. Mm -hmm. And for a young man, mm -hmm. it's just, he has... And this is the part, yeah, and this is the part where now you know all things work together. Because before you recognize that and acknowledge that, you don't know Jack. You don't know nothing about God and his working because all you can see is your pain. But now that you see this boy, this man, and he's grown into this person, and we know, now you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. There was this boy. Then there were these pregnancies that never came to fruition. Then there was the divorce. What did you do to like occupy your time to take up space in your life so that you were Very not plummeting <laughs> into, you know, feeling this great sense of loss? Oh, so there was no Jesus before this. There was no Jesus. Got it. Got it. Okay, I makes so saved. much sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got saved. Then I got divorced. Mm -hmm. And I was saved. So there's no sleeping around. I'm not married. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, you're waiting on the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you know, is this him? Is this him? Is this him? Nancy, that's another podcast. We can't do that one right now. <laughs> that's another podcast. That's another no, podcast. But I knew that I was going to, well, I, I know that I am going to be married, that I am going to, you know, be joined to my soulmate, that this is going to happen. But being saved and being really saved, you're not sleeping around. You really are waiting on the Lord. You mm -hmm. really are. You know, serving and you're in service and you're doing service and you're living that life. So that kept me occupied. Right, right. My focus was on the work of the Lord, on the ministry. I went to Bible college. You know, I just I got involved with um, with the choir. I got involved with uh, women's ministries. You know, we do. I got yes. involved in everything, and that helped me over. Yeah, I guess. So, and so this brings me to how I am hearing about, I'm the same cousin. And so I get a message on Facebook. But let, let me back up, let me back up, let me back up. You're going to have, so in the church, you have these people who get married and there's weddings and, you know, you go to all the weddings and, and everything. There was a young couple who had met, you know, they were high 
high school college sweethearts, got married, got pregnant, and they were having this baby. Mm-hmm. And it just reminded me, like, okay, now I'm 46, mm-hmm. and there's still no baby. I knew I was going to be a mom. But then I started having issues with my body. And my, I, I was, um, historically, my mom had a prolapsed uterus. My sister had a prolapsed uterus. So my uterus starts prolapsing. And that really means that your uterus is literally falling out. Yes. So my, my uterus is falling out. And, but wait a minute. Where's my baby? Yeah. My mother had five natural births. They were normal. My sister had a son. And but wait, my junk is falling out. And Hey guys, hold on for a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. I still don't have a baby. With my baby? Yeah. So I go to the doctor and he looked like Obama. My doctor looked like Obama. I go to the doctor and he says, I'm sorry, Miss Jones, but we're going to have to take it out. I'm like, you can't take it out because I need that to have a baby. <laughs> chance in that moment are you thinking about I need to do IVF are you thinking about other options besides do you know the natural route married husband whatever what are you thinking about I'm thinking I need my uterus <laughs> <laughs> and that's it you're not thinking about anything that's else it. that's it I need my uterus and this is it's gonna have to be like this and I'm gonna have to about, you know, well, there's still adoption, there's still a chance for me. Are you able to even take in anything other than the fact that this doctor is saying you have to give your uterus up and that's it? It wasn't even a thought, which is so crazy. Right. Considering how adamant you've been about that. Right. But then maybe somewhere in the back of my mind, I didn't want to deal with that whole situation where they could come and take them back again. Right. Because I'm sure that was traumatic in and of itself. And how do you even get over... I mean, it's very easy to bond with a newborn baby. 
it, it it's instant. And so how do you get over 30 days of skin to skin contact, you know, feeding in the middle of the night, everything that goes with having a newborn, how do you even begin to get over that and open yourself up to adoption again? Like who would do that? she wasn't going to be able to do? I was. Yeah. I, I was angry because I, I just thought it was so unfair. Yeah. And yes, this is your baby. You have a right to raise him any way you want, but I didn't, I didn't agree with, and, and maybe I had no right to not agree. Yeah. But I just thought that still didn't take so away the pain. Them. Yeah. And it still didn't take away the pain of, of how you felt and, what you wanted for your baby because in all in all instances at this moment he's still your baby you know so yeah wait hold on one second hold on one second i I see the problem so we were talking about um this baby that you had the fact that now you had to deal with all of these feelings of losing him etc etc and now the doctor has told you at 46 that you've got to give me the parts that will assure you that there is going to be a baby and there's still no baby. Yeah. So we were talking about um, this baby that you had, the fact that now you had to deal with all of these feelings of losing him, et cetera, et cetera. And now the doctor has told you at 46 that you've got to give me the parts that will assure you that there is going to be a baby and there's still no baby. Yeah. There's still no Even baby. Even hearing you, you, re, you rehearse it again. It catches you. It was so sad. Yeah. I, I remember crying the whole way home. I called my mom. I said, Mommy, I came to the doctor and this is what he said. And I was hysterical crying. She said, are you driving? she said what did, what, what did mom say she said the only thing she could say you know it's gonna be all right yeah it's gonna be all right and i'm like but how yeah but how you know I, I wanted more than it's gonna be all right that's all she had yeah of course that's all she had 
Because you're hysterical and you can't hear anything anyway. I heard nothing. Yeah. And so I went home. I, I dried my tears. I went on living. And I said, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to believe God. I'm, gonna, I'm not giving them my uterus because I need it. So you're believing God. You're having to walk around with your legs clamped closed so that your uterus doesn't fall out. No, I get it. I get it. Because you had a very um, serious case. Like very serious. So you're walking around taking little baby steps. So that... No, no, that bad. <laughs> but my point is... My point is that you, you literally had to make an effort every day to hold on to what you thought was going to be the thing that produced what you wanted. It was work and it was uncomfortable. Mm. Physically, it was uncomfortable. It was just an ex a thing. You know, I couldn't go to the bathroom without feeling something, feeling uncomfortable because it was like literally coming out. Mm -hmm. So um, I said, I'm just going to not give it to him. And I never made my appointment to go and, and have my surgery. And that's where we were with it. And so, um, it was two years later. So you walked around like this for two years. Well, it was, it was bad before. So yeah, I know. Like more than two years. But yeah. yeah. Two years when the doctor was saying, you gotta, you gotta give it to me. Um, and, and so there was this young couple at, at church and they were having, um, a shower for their baby. And I was there. They are, they are a beautiful couple. And since then they've had, I think they have three now. Mm-hmm. But um, that was their first child, and they are such sweet kids. And they were having a shower, and I remember going shopping for the shower gift on the day of the shower. Mm -hmm. And I'm walking down the aisle, and babies are us, picking pampers up or something, and it just hit me. And I said, I had my, I, I said, okay, okay, God. If it's just going to be you and me, I'm okay with that. I have a come to Jesus moment. I cried a couple of tears. And I just, you know, I was in agreement with God that I had a great life. My life is great. I'm happy. You know, I have everything I need. I'm just, I have a great life. And if it's just going to be me and you, God, then okay. I'm good with that. Yeah. Dried my little tears, went to the shower, celebrated them. I have pictures from that day. I was so happy that day. Mm -hmm. Like, I just was like, whoosh. This was that the day was, of your surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a Saturday. Now, this girl, who I had watched her whole pregnancy, was due, I think she was due, um, July 4th or July 5th or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is a Saturday. On the Saturday, the following... Now remember, I'm the praying cousin. I was fully expecting her to say, can you pray for me? Can you pray with me? Can we... I have a problem. I need to talk to someone. I go to lunch at 2 o'clock. Call me at 2 o'clock. So 2 o'clock on the nose, my phone rings. And it is one of my, it, one of my cousins who 
I used to mother. <laughs> she was my baby. She was my very first baby. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in, I think I was in seventh or eighth grade, and she was younger, but she would always come over and I would say, can she stay with me? And, and she was a baby baby, and she would, her mother would let her stay with me for days on end. And it was like that up and through high school. She was mine. That Mm. was my baby. Yeah. And she told me later, she said, um, she said, I knew you loved me. And she said, I will never forget one time all of your friends were going somewhere. And I think I, I was in high school at the time. She said, all of your friends were going somewhere. And they said, well, she can't go. And she said, you told them if she can't go, then I won't go. And she said, I never forgot that. Wow. And I knew that day how much you loved me. Wow. So she's on the phone with you. And what is, what is she calling you for? Is she calling you just to re- remind you of what a wonderful person you are? What is she calling you for? Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> no. She actually called me and she said, she said, Kia had a baby and we want to know if you want the baby. All right, so the woman who called you is Kia's Kia's sister. sister. Okay. Her her sister. And she said they needed a relative and they needed to live in New York. How about I'm the only one? The only one. So Isaiah had already been born by this time. Yeah. How old was he when you got this phone call? I think he was days. So he wasn't, he wasn't even a month old and you got a phone call from Kia's sister that said, I remember how much you love me. Kia had a baby. We need a relative who lives in New York. Do you want a baby? And this is not even seven complete days after your come to Jesus moment in Toys R Us where you said, God, I'll be happy. If it's just me and you, I'm going to be happy. I know that I have a great life. I have everything that I need, some of the things that I want, and I really am okay. So if it's just me and you, God, that's it. And less than seven days later, or bling, 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 (laughs) you get a phone call that says, I have a baby. So what emotions are you going through? Are you instantly taken back to the moment that the last phone call came about the adopted baby who got taken away from you at day 30? Are you remembering that you've held on to your uterus for two or three more years? What are, what are you what are you going through at that point? At that point, the the previous fail was water under the bridge. Like I I, I wasn't even considering that. So you really that day that you said to God, "I'm okay." You really were okay. I was good. Yeah. Because you know, a lot of times women will say, women will say to God because they think that that will move God a little faster to deliver the goods. They will say to God, oh God, if it's just me and you, I'm okay. And they say that and they want to mean it, but in their hearts and deep within, in the place that nobody else knows, that's really not what they mean. But for you, you were really good. Right. I was 46 when I said that. Right. And I wasn't dating anyone. Right. I, I mean, I wasn't even looking for anyone. 
single and saved mm -hmm. and satisfied. Mm -hmm. Like, really. I was okay. I was like, okay, God, if it's not in the cards for me, I yield. <laughs> like, there, there is something so powerful about giving up what you believe you're supposed to have for faith to walk where you have no idea that you're going. Like that's, that's huge. And that's not something to be skipped over. It's not something to be overlooked. That is a huge thing. And it's so funny because it instantly reminds me how in order to make room in our lives for things, we constantly have to do a period of give and take. We constantly have to give away the things that no longer serve us and take in the next thing. Give away the things that don't serve us, take in the next thing. And if you're not willing to make that exchange with the things that no longer serve you, putting them out of your life, there's no room for anything that you want or anything that God could do for you miraculously. Like there's no room. So you literally you made room in your life. Oh, I literally did. Let me tell you. Um, so that was in June. And so he was conceived in November, mm -hmm. end of November. Mm -hmm. The end of November, I went on a trip to visit my brother out of town. And I was there, and I got on the scale. I never get on the scale. Mm -hmm. At that point, I was the heaviest I had been. And I was like, oh, this is horrible. I'm so heavy. My my sister said, Nana, it's Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. You're going to eat this Thanksgiving dinner. And then when you go home, you can do something about it. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. let's eat. Mm -hmm. So that's Thanksgiving. I come back December 1st. I started eating better. Mm-hmm. He was conceived that weekend, mm -hmm. that we, around that time, mm -hmm. right? We count the months back. So I start eating right. I start eating better. And over the month of December, January, I lose all this weight. So I went from a size 18 to a size 16. And all of my clothes were so, so big on me. And I remember at the time, there was a woman, she called me, she said, do you have any clothes that you want to get rid of? She's like, just anything. If you, you have anything, if, even if it needs to be washed, I'll take it, whatever. And I was like, you sure? <laughs> you know, she was like, yeah. She was like, if you have anything. I literally gave away. Now, okay. Now, you know how church goes on. Yes. We have 50 lamb dresses. Yes. <laughs> making room and you don't even know what you're making room for at this point i don't and i was renting a I was renting a two-bedroom apartment from a woman and i wanted to move so bad and in my prayer time the lord said to me not yet and this woman was 
just hard. She was hard. She was a fight picker. She just, she was hard. And God would not release me. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, she's not ready. And he said, would you do me a favor and stay until she's ready? He told me to ask. 
And they were like, oh, sure. You need a nap? Yes. Oh, sure, you need a nap. And just wrote you out a check for five grand. Wow. And so all this is happening. So the girl's pregnant. I don't know nothing about her being pregnant. Right. So now it's April 15th. I'm moving to my place. Isaiah's. So April 15th, I move into my place. May, June 4th, Isaiah's born. So I'm. I moved out from the place. I got a new place. He's setting up the place for me and the baby. Right, right. Well, I don't know none of that. I think right. he's setting up the place for me. Right. Like, okay, I done released you to move. So this whole time, he's like, nope, you got to stay here. Because right. I'm working. And see, this is, God be doing something we don't know nothing about. Right. So <clears throat> you're going to stay right here. Because I got something. You're going to lose this weight. You're going to get healthy. You're going to get yourself together. I'm going to move you out. I'm going to get you. Now, if he had told the prophet all this, you know, right. I, I might have been like, ah. He right. didn't tell nobody none of this. Right. Because this is the biggest so, faith walk you've ever had. Faith walk. Walking by faith. This is one of the most challenging yet rewarding parts of life. Persevering, believing, remaining hopeful, challenging everything you know when all seems lost. What happened to Nancy? Does she get the baby she's been hoping and praying for? Tune in next week to Healing You, Healing Me with Anna Daniels Omamara. Meanwhile, exercise your faith. Believe even if all seems lost. See you next time.